0: completely unfounded.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK. EU leaders have agreed to speed up the bloc's vaccination program after widespread criticism that it's been too slow. During a video conference call, they voted to quicken the production, distribution and authorisation of the jabs. Here's the BBC's Kevin Connolly.
2: The EU's failures last year in funding vaccine development and signing contracts guaranteeing early supplies have created a stuttering start to its vaccination programme. With no immediate fix to hand, the European Commission is focusing on improving production and supply over the medium to long term. It's also determined to ensure that any border restrictions between member states don't block supply chains around the continent. Perhaps the biggest idea on the horizon is the development of a vaccine passport. Technical work on how an app showing vaccination testing status might work on phones is underway.
1: America's top infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci says a third coronavirus vaccine becoming available in the US will help the country take control of the pandemic. US regulators announced on Wednesday that Johnson & Johnson's single-dose vaccine offers strong protection against severe COVID-19 and is expected to be approved by the Federal Drug Administration. Dr. Fauci has told NBC that by adding a third vaccine to the mix after Pfizer and Moderna, there's more chance for people to be immunised against the disease. It gives individuals who might be in different parts of the country different accessibility. To have two
0: is fine. To have three is absolutely better. It's better because there are more choices. It's better also because it increases the supply of vaccines.
1: Brazil has passed 250,000 deaths caused by the coronavirus amid a deadly second wave that's put unprecedented pressure on the health services. The latest health ministry of figures were released a year to the date since the virus was first detected in the country. Vaccination has been suspended in most Brazilian cities because of a shortage of doses. That's the news on RTHK.
2: Good morning, and welcome to this short edition of Back Chat this Friday morning. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is uh, Peter Lewis. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Okay, so we've just been doing the Financial Secretary uh, phone-in uh, with the Financial Secretary Paul Chan uh, answering questions, listening to comments uh, from the public, on uh, the English-speaking public on the uh, uh, on the budget, the budget speech which he delivered, of course, on on uh, Wednesday. Uh, I think uh, some of the topics that were raised were similar to the ones that. came Came up in the Chinese language one uh, yesterday. The mechanics of the uh, of the voucher scheme, uh, the uh, stamp duty, I think, uh, mm. yep. came up as well, uh, and also. C- questions concerned about what you could and couldn't spend the the money mm-hmm. on from the voucher scheme as well. The people were talking about charities and so mm-hmm. on,
3: and also the loan scheme for the
2: uh, for the unemployed. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, I think those were the, the sort of the main interest areas of uh, interest um, this morning. We had a lot of uh, emails as well, uh, which we weren't able to get to. We we try and give priority to the uh, phone calls. That's how that that works. Uh, and I'm sorry, Judith, we weren't able to to uh, get hold of you um, uh, to uh, call back. Um, but maybe we'll air some of the topics at least raised in those emails um, between now and 9.30. Uh, we're joined uh, for discussion by uh, Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist of UBP, and Vera Yun, who's a lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Good, good morning to both of you. Mr um, uh, Casanova, um, thanks for, for joining us. Um, your thoughts on, on the budget? As I say, I think public interest and media interest seems to be focusing on that uh, voucher scheme and the, m- the mechanics Of the voucher scheme. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Good morning, and thanks for having me on the show. So the the budget was um, no surprise in the sense that everybody was expecting it to continue to provide some support, but it would be less than um, the measure that we observed last year. In terms of the size of the budget, um, compounded with all of the measures announced last year, we heard the financial secretary this morning saying that they are approximately 17% of GDP and that they've done their benchmark and that is more or less in line with what other regions in other countries in the region have been doing. And I would just want to stress that um, while that uh, is uh, definitely accurate, we are seeing uh, discrepancy in terms of Um, the performance between emerging and developed markets. So we have seen most of the emerging markets where there is less space to do fiscal easing, implementing um, stimulus measures of around 10% of GDP. But if you look at developed markets, um, a good example always in the context of Hong Kong and Singapore, um, the size of the measures are more in the tune of 30% of GDP. So it's still a little bit disappointing, um, Mm. especially given that Hong Kong is the only economy in the region that is contracting for two consecutive years. So the um, breadth and also depth of the sort of challenges that a lot of the populations are facing um, is a little bit different um, to that of, of, you know, other places that are just struggling with COVID-19. But but
2: um, but he, he was talking about a three and a half to five and a half percent growth. Uh, that's pretty healthy, isn't it? Maybe you don't need that much extra stimulus.
4: Yes, the main reason why they've decided to um, taper back a little bit is, of course, uh, worry surrounding that 160 billion deficit, 5% of GDP maybe a little bit higher. And in the context of, you know, the economy is returning to growth, there is less need to stimulus. But remember that we are returning to growth after two years of contraction. So the level of output of the economy, the level of output is what sustains employment and what sustains activity, is still going to be more subdued um, than what we saw even in 2019. So we do not expect a return to 2019 levels any time this year or next year, unfortunately. Uh, but it is uh, at least going to translate into a much more positive narrative. Um, and that should should continue to support... Um, some of the inflows into the region and explaining their rationale for some of the measures that were implemented.
3: Is he worrying too much about the deficits? He seems to be using that as an excuse for what was really an austerity budget, cutting handouts in half for some of the poorest at at the time when um, you really need to sort of be adopting pro-cyclical sort of policies. It's a bit odd, isn't it, when, as you say, we're going to be the only economy in Asia that's been in recession for two years. It's the wrong time, isn't it, to be stingy?
4: I think it, it's, it's welcome that the measures were a lot more targeted than last year, but uh, they could have perhaps gone further. Um, the cash handout of ten thousand Hong Kong dollars to all permanent residents last year um, you know, might, might have provided a one-off boost to consumption, but we saw retail sales remain in negative territory for most of the year. So it's questionable how effective that was. Um, by doing it this way, um, you know, extending it to all of the residents in Hong Kong but also making it um, digital so it's targeted. Um, that means that they can really force you to uh, utilize that money to consume and not only to consume, but also to um, deploy it in the sectors and the businesses that they deem have been most impacted by covid nineteen um, pandemic so that, that is that is um, that is an encouraging uh, development perhaps it could have been a little bit more generous um, what is less encouraging of course is that loan um, uh, to the unemployed it, it just um, you know in our opinion doesn't um, reflect uh, the divergencies um, across different sectors so unemployment seven percent and if you compare uh, with other parts of the world that seems low but um on a industry basis, we are seeing much higher um, numbers for some of the sectors that have been affected the most. So perhaps, um, you know, it would have been wiser to uh, deploy some of that money, um, not to support consumption, but to support employment in sectors that have been hit the most. And um, by extension, if people are still employed, they can continue to consume. Perhaps that would would have been a better approach.
3: Isn't he overestimating the impact of those vouchers. I mean, I, I calculated. Well, he says it's thirty-six billion dollars. That's about zero point one percent of GDP. He says that's going to boost the economy by zero point seven percent. You know, Carlos, that um, you know that sort of fiscal multiplier is almost impossible to achieve.
4: Yes, I, I heard your conversation this morning. Um, I, I think they must have considered other factors in the equation. So it's not a one-off impact from consumption. Um, as part of the scheme, they hope that a lot of the SMEs and smaller vendors will embrace digital payments. And so, going forwards, um, you know, ease of transaction, especially in, in this environment where people are less keen to perhaps visit um, some of the um, you know hawkers or some of the uh, markets because they're concerned of, of you know hygiene in, in those kind of places. If they can embrace um, digital payments, so that. that will will have an impact on 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 the on on the economy that is equivalent to that um, mm-hmm. higher multiplier or 7, 0.7% of gdp but of course the one off will be significantly lower than that number mm.
2: Mm, bit of a maybe be It's a big
3: maybe <laughs> isn't it <laughs>
2: uh, Vera Yun, good morning to you and thanks for joining us once again uh, uh, your your thoughts on, on the budget as i say uh, a lot of attention on the on the voucher scheme uh, and on the uh, the stamp duty as well i think that's, that's caused some controversy as well
0: Yes, um for the vouchers, I think um before the budget, um the government has tried hard to manage expectations. Try to tell us that are uh, you not going to get um, so much handout as in the past year because you know they are in um, you know a deficit, and also we shouldn't expect a Um, paid us vouchers or money etc now they give us vouchers and they think that we should receive it positively but at the end they said they were surprised that um people do not find it very positive it's just you know better than none it's it's okay to have some vouchers and i think at um, the economic point of view the vouchers do not similar economy for a very large extent because we have our own spending schedule. So um, we do consumption smoothly. So when you give us money, we will spend a little bit more than usual probably, but still um, we would it wouldn't spend a lot more because of the vouchers and only hand-to-mouth household would um, spend all the money at once. And for us, we just substitute what we have um, in cash with the vouchers and then save up a little bit more. So um, it wouldn't cause that much stimulus effect, um, I think, as he uh, uh, said before. And for the stamp duty, um, I think it, it does stir up a lot of opposition and sentiment in the finance industry. Um, he was being scolded um, pretty fiercely yesterday. Um, it is actually quite a substantial increase for uh, in terms of percentages, mm. a 30 percent increase, and it will affect um, the professional investor and also institutional investor. But it affects um, the high frequency trading and algo trading the most because they are like trading at very low margin and trying to do a lot of trades automatically with the computers. And they contribute about 20 to 30 percent of the home market. So for Mm. those, um, it adds a lot, of course, to that. And then I also worry that um, for, you know, fund management and then especially MPLs, because there's increase in fee, they could um, send duty. They could increase the fee um, for us. Saying that are uh, because you know if demand is increase we have to increase you know management.
3: Doesn't this have long-term implications for Hong Kong's status as an international financial centre? Because this lifts the overall trading costs in Hong Kong by about eight per cent. that's quite quite a big increase in your overall costs of trading. When we're trying to promote ourselves and maintain our position as an international financial centre, there's going to be some long-term implications, aren't there?
0: Yeah, um, it would depend. I think also um, what um, Paul Chan has said earlier, it depends on other things too. Um, I think in the short run, because Hong Kong has um, an irreplaceable position in being the financial center for China to raise um, money, um, some of the companies in the US, uh, they were said to be forced to be delisted and also some of them have a second offer in Hong Kong. So we foresee that in the short-term future, like one or two years, there will be quite some huge IPO in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, and then also, um, China will still need Hong Kong um, to raise funds for the development in the Greater Bay Area. Um, and then even if like Beijing, Shanghai, they are not in the position to compete with us in terms of this because um, we, are, we have free <laughs> capital flow and they don't. But in terms of asset management, I, I find that they may be eating us um, uh, some of the pie and some offices are uh, you know, recruiting more people in you know, mainland China than in Hong Kong and they are stop recruiting people. Um, so I'm not sure whether we would be very competitive in, in terms of this.
3: this. This idea has come from mainland China, hasn't it? It's because the government's on the mainland often uses rises in stamp duty to adjust the stock market. When it wants to curb inflows into their market, up goes stamp duty. They do it a lot. So the risk is this could be the first of several rises if this is where the idea has come from and this is the plan.
0: Um, I don't think it is suitable for Hong Kong. I think this stamp duty rise is like permanent and should be predictable over the long term if we want to be an international financial center. So it's a different kind of regime that um, the Mm. government tries to intervene and relax the rules sometimes and then be really stringent after a cycle, thinking that, you know, you guys get uh, too crazy uh, with the stock market and... And all these stuff. But my point um, is, this
3: is making it more like the mainland regime, which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing for Hong Kong's long-term future, is it? If, if the stamp duty regime now is going to look more like how it does on the mainland.
0: I kind of think um, for this budget, they try to fight a few taxes to increase. And then they listen to different industry lobbying, and finally they come up with this decision.
2: I, th- I think it was also because because he saw, he was detailing um, the the mainland investment and involvement in the market here uh, wasn't the sort of message that actually this tax is not going to be paid by Hong Kongers; it's going to be paid by mainlanders. <laughs> so why not increase so, it?
0: No, but if you want to be um, international financial center, we have investors from all over the world. You cannot like. I don't think this, um financial secretary thinks in this way. And I do not think they think it's suitable to use um, that regime of mainland onto Hong Kong. I think it's more like a predictable permanent increase rather than something that will change, like, every year.
2: OK. Uh, just some some uh, emails. Uh, Jay says, bit of a raw deal for the public. Uh, financial secretary not staying for another half hour on the radio. Well, he did stay for an hour Um to uh, do him justice. Um, MT says the response of the FS to the question of what is the government plan to come out COVID restrictions clearly demonstrates that the government has no plan. A target of zero infections is often quoted by the government, but what will happen when zero is achieved? That's from uh, MT. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh,
3: And I I don't think zero infections is a credible target, is it? I I don't know of many health experts who think we will ever get to the point, any country will get to the point of zero infections. We've got to live with this. Mm.
2: Uh, Carlos Casanova uh, what about the, uh, the the government spending uh, they're talking about that uh, 258 billion dollar uh, uh, deficit uh, this year 100 billion next year and deficits for the next five years uh, uh, Peter was talking about that amounting to a structural uh, Im- imbalance what are your thoughts on that can the government afford it?
4: Well, they are clearly nervous about that structural deficit. Um, hence, uh, this decision to increase the stamp duty um, from 0.10 to 0.13. Um, in our opinion, they they just chipped onto the discussion that um, just took place. Um, they, they must have done their cost-benefit analysis, uh, and judging by you know lower relative costs of trading um, and also lower valuations compared to the onshore market, they must, they must have concluded that. Um, you know, the the, the pros of uh, doing this tax um, increase outweigh the, the cons. But there are going to be cons to any decision, but, of course, um, the cons of um, capital gains taxes would have been more severe. Um, so so I, I think that in the long term, if we assume that the city is going to continue to attract inflows, both through the southbound trade but also from global investors that seek to increase their exposure to um, Chinese asset classes as you know, a lot of the passive investment is moving in that direction. Um, I think it, it, it is going to help a little bit on um, the revenue front. They expect to generate about 12 billion in additional revenues from that. And so going forward, it, it becomes a question of how that additional uh, money will be, will be spent. Um, one uh, area that the financial secretary highlighted was construction, um, and that should also serve to, to create um, jobs. But if it's the wrong type of construction or the wrong type of infrastructure spending um, that doesn't really have a a large fiscal multiplier um, or will generate these 300,000 jobs that will be created um, from the construction industry, um, they can go away as soon as you stop building if you don't um, uh, focus on diversifying and on promoting industries um, of the future. Um, So I think one area where there is a little bit of room for improvement as well is on um, exactly how uh, this money is going to spend to promote uh, economic diversification uh, in addition to what was announced on construction of um, uh, infrastructure projects and potentially uh, attracting some some foreign talent in the high-tech space um, to lecture in universities, etc., I think more could be done to try to promote um, industrial diversification so that, uh, you know, this doesn't turn into a structural deficit beyond the five-year period that they expect but to it, have to repay for the measures.
3: In order to do that, though, if, if we don't want this to turn into a structural deficit, isn't now the time to start reviewing the taxation system to see how the tax base can be broadened and what new sources of revenues could be? Because clearly, if we're going to get to balanced budget, as the basic law says we have to, um, We've got to review our, our revenues and our taxation, haven't we? It's, doesn't it seem a bit odd uh, that we're not doing that, as opposed to just picking a couple of ad hoc uh, taxes like vehicle tax and stamp duty to put up? That doesn't that doesn't really solve the problem, does it?
4: No, but in their defence, they have said that they uh, are looking into it, but decided it was not the right time. Uh,
3: <laughs> <Well, laughs> so, uh, what would be the right time then, when we've got a record deficit?
4: Um, well, definitely better or clearer signaling would, would help. Also to, um, you know, uh, calm any fears there might be that um, this is going to be the first of many stamp duty increases. Um, so they should really highlight where their priorities are going to be. Um, I think it was interesting in the discussion this morning that the financial secretary also mentioned uh, the housing sector. So, of course, that would serve a double purpose of increasing revenues, but also um, addressing some of the affordability concerns if uh you know we expect to see more southbound inflows uh, into the <laughs> stock market that typically also translates into housing price um, speculation um so maybe by 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 doing um mm-hmm. something on the tax front with the housing sector they could take you know kill two birds with one stone but Um, It is true that it feels um, a little bit uh, preliminary at this stage, and potentially, uh, I'm not saying they haven't done their their research, but maybe they they could have um, communicated um, what their plan for the future is going to be more clearly as part of the budget.
2: OK, a couple more emails. Our address is uh, Confusingly, we're not taking phone calls in this bit. We were in the first part, but not, not, not now. Just emails, please. Uh, or Facebook. Actually, I haven't checked the Facebook page. Let me do that in a moment. Anyway, uh, Magnus says, uh, in response to a question from Peter, the FS just said that Hong Kong has a plan for COVID, the unwinding of restrictions and the resumption of international travel. If we do, where exactly is it? The FS also stated that we have a policy of zero Covid and that will allow normal life to resume. But we do not have zero Covid and yet are relaxing those restrictions that we do have and still ignoring the gaping hole of gatherings in private homes. Uh, We therefore will not arrive at zero Covid. The transmission rate has in fact been rising again since February the 9th and is at the latest estimate of February the 18th with 0.96, a rise of 78% in the space of only nine days. This is no surprise, cases can therefore be expected to soon rise again and then We will yank kids out of schools and reintroduce the restrictions, which do not work because of the huge gaps in private settings. Groundhog Day. That's from uh, Magnus. Thanks for that. Uh, John says, uh, due to COVID, I have adopted payment through electronic methods only. It's more sensible. But big and listed companies refuse to pay electronically. They demand a paper invoice and say they can only pay by paper check in the mail. It shows that these large and companies are firmly stuck in the dark ages. That's uh, from uh, John. And one more comment. This is from uh, Jay, I think, who says, Instead of spending billions on vouchers, why not give everyone free electricity, uh, water, communication for one year, and still relying on finance and construction? Uh, not good. That's from Jay. Mira, let
3: me let me ask you. There was some. There's some big medium-term challenges that we face. Things like the population is getting much more elderly by about 2040. A third of the the population is going to be elderly. The average waiting time for, for public houses it's uh, almost six years now. None of these things were really addressed in the budget. Did you, did you get the feeling that there wasn't really a a long-term strategy?
0: Well. I think this year's the theme is to deal with the current situation um caused by the pandemic, so um not much um long term planning or um suggestion has been done here, but I mean those spending expenditure and infrastructure planned that they are like they are going to come into our budget later mm-hmm. and I think structural deficit was actually predicted back in 2014 by the Long-Term Fiscal Planning Committee, uh, steered by John Mm -hmm. Dung. So they predicted um, structural deficit would happen as early as um, in 2020. So I think it's now kicked off by this um, pandemic. Um, But when you look at um, what um, Paul Chen has done over these few years, I mean, he has, um, suggested a new fiscal philosophy that increased recurrent social spending including education and Carrie Lam agree with the education sector to increase um, the recurrent spending by five billion dollars and then they open up more social welfare programs and because of aging population there would be greater pressure for you know housing health care etc so, so this is Yeah, so we have to tackle it in the long
3: run. And also we have infrastructure projects to handle. So if the the priority is the pandemic then and the short-term issues, as opposed to those medium-term issues, surely the number one issue is the unemployed. That's been the issue that nearly every other country in the world has been throwing um, enormous resources at. Um, Do you think he should have done more? I mean, he didn't offer a third round of the employment support scheme, which uh, helps save jobs. Uh, and the only thing he's done for the unemployed is is this this loan scheme. There's no sort of unemployment benefit scheme, no consideration of that. Um, Should he have done more?
0: Well, I think for Hong Kong, our situation is still better than many places in the world. Um, Even for unemployment rate, I mean, for countries like Portugal, they have like double-digit unemployment anyway before the pandemic, but we are still at like 7%. And I think given the experience of um, SARS. If we can get over it quickly, like in one or two years' time, we will have um, strong rebounds after that. So I, I think, um, in his um, principle, um, the loan is like um, now it's a short-term situation, and you have liquidity problem. You lose your jobs, but you will get them back soon. Um, so uh, we're going to give you a low-range loan. And if you can just sustain over this period, you can get better and pay the best. There's no problem. There's no need to give you unemployment assistance. But that applies if your job is still here. And if the industry revives, you can go back into it and get a job. Uh, the problem is this pandemic has changed the landscape. Some jobs and industry may be wiped away completely. They may just disappear. And these guys would have to think of where to get retraining or... Um, be channeled to other sectors and then restart their career. So, so that's the problem, and I do not, I do not think there's a mandate to broaden tax bill to increase tax at all at this moment because the government is actually very strong at its fiscal reserve. I mean, Japan is living at two times, uh, uh, so living on a loan that is two times the GDP. Average rich country, they have loan of like eighty to one hundred percent of the GDP. So, all of these countries live on loans. They don't really have any like reserve. But for Hong Kong we have nine hundred um billion reserve and excluding those they are in the exchange fund. So we have we still have four. So um how could you have any mandate to say I increase tax at a broad broad base? So um I, I don't think um the picture that they portray that they're very poor and then that's why we cut, you know, all this spending and then we're not helping any other people. It's approach it. So I agree with you that um, the government can do more on helping the needy, especially this pandemic has struck um, um, the different classes pretty unevenly. I think the wealthy, um, the exit price has not decreased for uh, a lot, it's just uh, to a limited extent. So the wealthy guys are still wealthy, but I mean people who lose their jobs who are at the grassroots, they suffer a lot. So mm. I think these people need more help.
2: Okay, well, and many thanks for joining us. Uh, lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you to Mr. Casanova. Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist at uh, UBP. Uh, Peter, thank you very much indeed. The crossover programme.
3: Yes. <laughs> I, should, I should come over to Money Talk. Our, 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 annual, uh, our annual shindig where we
2: all get together. <laughs> That's right. And uh, um, put our questions to the Financial Secretary. Thanks very much indeed for everybody who uh, who uh, assisted with this. To, uh, to uh, Angie Mann, <laughs> of course, and uh, to uh, Michelle. Shell Chan and to Raphael Blett as well. We say goodbye to, I think, today. Um, Thanks very much indeed. Uh, The weather mainly cloudy, visibility relatively low with a few rain patches today. Maximum temperature about 25 degrees during the day. The latest reading is now 22 Celsius and the relative humidity is at 87%.
1: To prevent the spread of disease, make sure all drainage traps contain water. Pour half a litre of water into each drain outlet every week. Check sinks, baths, Toilets and floor drain outlets regularly. If drainage pipes are leaking or blocked, or drain outlets emit a foul smell, arrange prompt inspection and repair by a qualified person. Don't alter drains and pipes on your own. Visit chp.gov.hk for details.
2: Nine thirty-two. The news now with Samantha Butler.
1: Callers to a special budget phone-in program have once again criticised the government's plan to hand out consumption vouchers to boost the economy. The financial secretary, Paul Chan, said he'd listened to people's views over the past two days and would take some into consideration when the voucher scheme was implemented. He addressed concerns of how people could receive the vouchers, saying it wouldn't be necessary to have a personalised octopus card. A majority of MPs in the Dutch Parliament have supported a proposal to classify China's treatment of its Uyghur minority as genocide. The Canadian Parliament passed a similar motion a few days ago. And President Biden has held a ceremony to mark the vaccination of 50 million Americans against the coronavirus. He said the US was weeks ahead of schedule on the plan to immunising 100 million people in his first 100 days in office. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Talks to journals ha! As the stories unfold Shoo-be-dooby Musos and actors Good morning No matter young or that old
0: There's tons of stuff going on Moves them through the studio Oh yes, yes Before their coffee gets cold Don't be stupid, drink it Because Phil Whelan likes to chat Imagine helping people with just downloading an app and clicking something. I
3: don't think the Communist Party wanted to do this.
0: We have a
4: nightclub on the roof. What if our country is run a different way?
3: We welcome you to The
1: Morning Brew. Where the chef, he might be just kind of chewing the fat. He's really good at that. Because Phil Wheeler likes to chat.
2: Good morning to you and welcome to Friday. It's the Morning Brew again with me, Phil Whelan. Have some great news for you. Live music is back very soon with every finger and toe and everything else crossed. At 10.10, the one and only Chris B joins me to invite you to the Wild Boar Music Festival. That's one wild boar that's made its way to town that we do want to feed. It's happening on Sunday, March 14th at the Central Waterfront. Chris is going to tell you all about it in about 35 minutes. After 11, it's Sports and All with Danny Hicks. And after 12, we're off to the movies with James Marsh. For the second week in a row, he's actually been inside a cinema. To review today, Monster Hunter, Host, The Rescue, and Detective China Town 3. On and off, join us on Facebook throughout this Friday morning.